Today's podcast is brought to you by Halburn, Elite Blockchain Cybersecurity. Award-winning ethical blockchain hackers to secure your stack end-to-end, far beyond smart contracts. Core services at Halburn include security advisory, advanced penetration testing, smart contract audits, and DevOps and automation. Some of the companies trusted by Halburn include Solana, Board at Yacht Club, Thorchain, Avalanche, Dapper, Ocean, and many more. For more information, go to halborn.com. That's H-A-L-B-O-R-N.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today we got a special one for you, which I think is going to continue to be very critical as we continue to evolve as a Web3 community. So we have David Schweed, who is part of Halburn, which is the elite blockchain cybersecurity that all of us here need to learn more about. So David, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate it, man. Well, before we dive into Halburn, let's first learn a little bit more about yourself. Can you give us some background? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I spent the early part of my career in traditional finance, um, you know, the, the city corps, city group, Solomon Smith, Barney, Merrill Lynch, being my melons of the world. Uh, various uh, information technology roles, uh, whether it's infrastructure, um, obviously gravitated towards uh, cybersecurity as well as risk management and audit. Um, in 2008, kind of had a little split in my career. I, um, I co-founded a telecommunications company uh, as well as going to law school. Um, and I ran my company for about 10 years. Uh, we were acquired back in 2018. And from there, I took on the role of the chief security officer for Galaxy Digital. Uh, I stayed there for about a year, had an itch to get into academia. So I left Galaxy uh, to become the director of a cybersecurity program for a university in New York, Yeshiva University. Um, while I was there, I was also working for a subsea uh, cable company because the, the company that I had co-founded was a telecommunications company. Um, and then from there, I went over to be in my melon as their global head of digital assets uh, technology to help build out uh, you know, the digital asset strategy. Um, and then from there, I'm at Hellborn as their chief operating officer. Man, so a very dull career. What you're saying <laughs> that is that is so amazing, man. A little bit all over the place. I wish to say, you know, like looking back, it you know, I'm I'm happy with all my decisions, but at the time, it definitely seemed I was going all, a little all over the place. No, man, that's that's excellent. You were able to get a lot of backgrounds that I think are very critical for the shapings of where blockchain and Web three are headed. We need more well groundedness so that we can start to fill a lot of these gaps uh, to make um, a lot of you know potential. 2.0 companies start to jump into 2.5 and then eventually get to the to 3.0. But uh, we can get into that a little bit later. But you have such an interesting journey that when you first got your, your toes into uh, the crypto industry working at Galaxy, you know, what made you decide to go in that direction? You know, with, with security, there's obviously always a ton of different opportunities that you could pursue. Why'd you go in that direction? Sure. Um, so that was my first professional career in crypto. I actually got introduced to crypto. Uh, it's probably like around 2012. Um, unfortunately, from a from a technological perspective, you know, I you know at the time I didn't think that uh, it was going to be worth anything. So while I did was an early uh, purchaser, it was just a few tokens, just because I wanted to see what the technology was like. Um, so when an opportunity arose in 2018 to now like dive headfirst into crypto, you know, I've been a, a fan or aficionado from the sidelines for like you know about six years. Uh, so for me, I jumped in. And for me, it was really around the challenge of this is new. This is a new and emerging technology at the time. There's no playbook. There's no runbook. There's no framework of how to set up a cybersecurity program and how to protect digital assets. So for someone like me, I run towards challenge and I run towards something that you know just really interests me. Um, so for me, this was you know 
just the combination of I love this new and amazing technology. I think it's going to be a disruptor. I think it's going to be the future. And then on top of that, it's, you know, it's challenging. It's, it's how do we stand up a cybersecurity program when, you know, this is a, you know, new threats, new threat actors, you know, new types of attacks. So for me, it was really more about the challenge as well as the, the love of the, the technology. Understood. And it's, if, if challenge is the name of the game, then you, you definitely picked the right one. It, we never fail to see new challenges that arise. Um, being in the space or at least being cognizant that it was around you know, for the last decade, you have seen a lot of peaks and valleys, uh, bull and bear markets, technology evolve, new coins and tokens enter the market, and unfortunately, some frivolous exchanges in different pockets of time. So as we look at Halberd uh, blockchain security, what is it that you're aiming to accomplish with, with this company and, and how would people be, or how would different organizations be able to utilize Halberd? Sure. Um, you know, our, our mission is simple. Our mission is really, it's to protect the ecosystem. Um, and, you know, we do that through securing the entire project. So, you know, we're not necessarily narrowly focused on performing a smart contract audit, um, you know, or doing like a web app pen test. What we like to do is we take a look at the project and then from a risk-based perspective, identify where the potential exploitation points or the vulnerabilities in the infrastructure, the architecture or the code, and then we'll, we'll help protect it. Um, you know, I, I think, I think it's important for, you know, for people to realize that, like I said, like this is, it's, it's such a new technology that, or there's like no framework and there's no runbook. So I, you know, I think it's, it's really, it's important for, for people to understand um, that there's no silver bullet in crypto. That um, you know, it's it's really it's a strategy where you have to deploy multiple different lines of defense. Whether it's working with an external auditor, whether it's having a bug bounty program, you know, hiring an extensive internal staff of you know a chief security officer as well as security engineers, you know. But there's a multifaceted approach that organizations need to do in order to you know provide the requisite level of, of protection of their application. Definitely, and I think it's good that you're not looking at it just from very like hyper-focused area between blockchain audits and everything else. There's a lot that that goes into this, you know, just looking at some of the different, you know, companies you've worked with, you know, Solana, Bodet Yacht Club, Thorchain, Avalanche, Dapper Ocean. That's, I mean, you have some big and, and trusted names. What is it about these different ecosystems and companies that, you know, feel that Halburn is the right solution to help support them? Sure. Um, it's a great question because, you know, it, it really comes down to, you know, how do you evaluate and how do you find a vendor that you, you know, that you trust? And in this space, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people that are, that are skilled in order to, to do the job that Halborn does. You know, obviously we have competitors, so it's not like, you know, we, we have a, a control of the market of, of the talent, but there, there isn't a lot of people out there that really fully not only understand the ecosystem and understand the threats, but also have the requisite background from a cybersecurity perspective. So I think, you know, we were very early to the market in what we were doing at the time, and we were able to build a company and a culture that attracts, you know, some of the best talent in the world. And I think it also, you know, speaks to, you know, our hiring practices, you know, in order to, you know, work at Halborn, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through in order to even get an interview. You know, there's multiple capture the flags to demonstrate, you know, your knowledge. Um, because, you know, normally like the interview process is more theoretical and not practical. And, you know, we've all made, you know, bad hires where, you know, you interview somebody and they're saying the right things and, you know, you feel like they truly understand and they get it. But for Halborn, it's really, you know, and again, not to borrow or to be cliche, but it's it's proof of work. Um, you know, before we'd even speak to you, we want to see that you're able to, you know, do the work that you would be doing within Hellborn. So for us, I think that's really where we were able to, to identify the best talent is by making them go through these, you know, multiple capture the flag exercises. Um, as well as, you know, looking at the right candidates. 
Um, you know, there's two different types of thought process. One is let's go out and grab Solidity developers and train them how to be cybersecurity experts. You know, we felt that the approach on the other side was the right approach of let's find some amazing red team offensive, you know, hackers or engineers that just love breaking things. Um, and let's take them and let's teach them blockchain. And we found that that was the model that worked for us. I think that's a good way of looking at it too, because when you look at, I mean, who are the people that you're trying to defend from? It's the hackers themselves. So why wouldn't you go and get talent that would know how to think like them and uh, be able to defend against it? And, you know, just looking across some of your core services between um, security advisory, advanced penetration, smart contract audits, DevOps, and automations. When you were first starting this and you were working with some of these different ecosystems and companies, where where do people typically start? Like, what is the path of becoming as secure as possible? Hey, everyone. Just wanted to let you know about all of the amazing content that we're making for you exclusively over on YouTube. You can stay connected to crypto's top stories and trending topics with the Aftershock. Every Wednesday, join Cryptocurrent Steve Miller and myself for a brand new discussion on what's going on in the wild world of Web3. If you want to learn more about cryptocurrency and blockchain but don't know where to start, Crypto Decrypted will cover everything from basics and fundamental analysis to the advanced concepts of technical analysis. Join Chris K every Thursday exclusively on YouTube to get this content. Finally, if you want to take a deeper dive into the world of NFTs and learn more about all the latest and greatest and what's happening in that space while capturing alpha, join Steven on NFT Thursdays exclusively on Twitter Spaces on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope you're enjoying our content. And if you're enjoying it, please like, subscribe, share, and leave comments so that we can continue to give you the content to keep you cryptocurrent. Well, there's what people are doing and then what they should be doing. So I'll, I'll answer from, from both perspectives. Um, you know, what what I see right now in the market, and I think it's 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 somewhat concerning in some respects, is and, and it's understandably so. I don't think anyone's intentionally making poor decisions, but What's happening is, you know, you're having these projects that are getting, you know, $5 million in seed funding, $12 million in seed funding. And that's great, right? Every, you know, we're, we're giving capital to people to build projects on these ecosystems. But, you know, that's not the type of budget that's going to allow them to go out and hire, you know, a five to 10 person cybersecurity staff um, and really go through, you know, the, a secure SDLC process, you know, to do their own internal code reviews, to do their own architectural reviews. So what's happening is a lot of these projects are, either not hiring cybersecurity people or they'll hire one person, um, you know, who's more on the strategic level. And then they'll look for outside firms to come in and, and, you know, look at the code after the fact. And, you know, just if we borrow what, what, you know, what an auditor's role is in the Web2 world or the traditional finance world is really to provide an attestation. It's not necessarily to do the work on behalf of the clients to look for the vulnerabilities and, and, and find them. It's supposed to be here it is. It's secure. Let me provide your auditor stamp of approval that there's an attestation that everything is secure. And we're not seeing that. We're seeing a lot of uh, code come over to us that's you know just riddled with vulnerabilities or riddled with critical vulnerabilities. And that's that's not the case for everything. You know, there are many times we'll get a report where you know we won't really find anything critical. We'll find some mediums or lows. But more often than not, we're identifying some major critical vulnerabilities, which to me telegraphs that there's a root cause issue in a lot of these projects where they're not hiring the right staff. You know, they should be hiring the same types of hackers and engineers that we have on our side. So we are truly an independent review of it and not necessarily like the first review of that code. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. It's like, look, you're, you're here to give a stamp of approval. You're not here to like fix everything. But with doing that, and as you're looking at Web3, and unfortunately, a lot of these companies are kind of working backwards in that capacity, it kind of feels like it's one of those challenges that you face between like startup versus enterprise. And like, how do you 
you know, find the, the balance of the in-between. What's been your approach to kind of trying to, to fill that gap? Yeah. And, and you know what? That, I mean, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, it's the, you know, the, the enterprise market and, and it, you know, it, it web three things are different, right? Like the, the risks are a lot heightened, you know, these are bare assets, you know, anybody that gets control of any one of these, you know, equities, tokens, you know, whatever word you want to use asset, they have it. Um, so what worked in the startup world and the fintech world in web two, it, it just, it doesn't work in web three. And, and I think that's where the challenge is because the, the run book that people are doing in web three was fine in the web two world. Um, you know, you can just go out and buy a whole bunch of different types of vendor tools. You can run them through static and dynamic code analysis. And, and you're, you're generally going to reduce the risk, you know, the, you know, the, the risk profile by a significant amount, but here in web three, you know, any vulnerability can lead to, you know, a complete loss of funds. So we need to be looking at things through a much different lens and we need to, you know, generate a new playbook when we're, you know, creating these startup fintechs. And I think that's really where the challenge lies today. I agree. And as we look at where we're headed in 2023, as we continue to evolve into the future, um, unfortunately, 2022 was riddled by a lot of black swan events that was self-induced by, I think, over-leveraging greed. Um, and just straight up fraud. How can companies continue to protect themselves um, as we head into the future? So I think part of it, it's our own fault, right? And I think you hit the, you know, you hit the nail on the head. And you know, I always tell people like, stop chasing the yield. You know, if 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 you're if the, you know you're getting a twenty percent return and the traditional financial markets is giving you four percent, that sixteen percent has to come from somewhere. So it's either coming from criminality, it's coming from just yoloing, you know, loans without you know any sort of a risk profile. So I think part of it is on us that, you know, we are gravitating towards projects that are giving us, you know, 100, 200 extra basis points. And, you know, I think we need to demand better security and we need to demand demand better risk management, you know, as users of these different applications. And I think using security and using proper risk management should be the differentiator for programs. You know, for someone who is obviously, you know, in, in this field, if somebody was advertising, hey, listen, here's our security profile and it's like top notch and they go through and I'm reading this, you know, amazing playbook, but they're offering me 8% and another project that, you know, has no white papers and no securities offering me 10%, I'm going for the eight. And I would tend to think that most people would, would do the same. So I think, you know, as a whole, as a community, we need to demand things uh, to be a little bit more secure. So part of the issue is on us. And I think the other issue too is, um, you know, just this race to, you know, release something to market or to release new features in order to, you know, one up, you know, one of your competitors. And I think that's the problem too. Not that we necessarily need to slow down because it's great that everybody's developing and everybody's building, but you can pump the brakes a little bit in order to, you know, establish a little bit more oversight and a little bit more control. So I think just in general as an industry, we, we you know, we are part of the problem because of what we're demanding. And then I also think that a lot of these projects, you know, should be taking on security, not necessarily as an afterthought, but part of their actual offering itself as a, as a feature. Yes. And the, the part of the yield that I want to just spend a little bit more time on is that I think it really went overlooked that when, when people are offering these types of really large yields, you know, a lot of the places where you could get those types of yields, Web3 is all about custody. And in order to participate in some of these yields, you have to basically give up your custody and, and pray that you get it back. So in the traditional bank, when you give the bank your money, um, you're basically trusting them to give your money back. And you know, because of FDIC, $250,000, you're covered, you're insured, you, you, you are going to get that money back because of laws put in place to protect you. In crypto, there's no such thing. 
And we're seeing that right now between all the bankruptcies, between uh, things like Celsius and um, even looking at BlockFi and, and some others. How critical do you think it is that people continue to understand the trade-off between self-custody and, and not? I think it's huge. And, and I think education is definitely something that's that we need, you know, and not even heightened, but actually like start, you know, there's just people that are just entering into this market on the retail side that just doesn't understand what they're doing. Um, so to understand, you know, the whole not my, you know, not your keys, not your crypto. I think most people have heard that term, but don't like fully actually understand that. So they don't necessarily understand the, you know, the differences of the nuances between, you know, custodying on an exchange versus self-custodying on a ledger versus using a wallet software. So I don't think they truly fully understand the risks that go along with everything. Um, because you're right, you know, like just in the traditional financial system, it re- it works the same. It's it's really the same thing. You you know, you deposit your money in a bank, they take that and they loan it to somebody who's getting a mortgage. The difference is banks have capital reserve requirements. They have risk management profiles when they're you know looking at you know the the the, the client uh, you know their risk profile before they're giving out a loan. That same structure is set up on the crypto side, except there's no capital reserve requirements. So whatever you're depositing, they're just lending out. And they're just lending out on incredibly risky loans. So I think just also understanding that there are no regulatory requirements from a capital reserve perspective or from a risk management perspective, that just inherently it's more risky when you're making a deposit in certain exchanges. I think the other thing also is to look at, you know, from a jurisdictional perspective, look to see where the exchange is hosted. Um, you know, in the beginning days of crypto, people were running towards jurisdictions with no oversight because let me just launch a product and I don't have to worry about the regulators knocking at my door. And I think we're looking back now and, you know, that wasn't a great choice for some people for depositing funds in in certain different entities. So I would, you know, just advise everybody that wherever you're depositing your funds, look at the particular jurisdiction that that exchange is located in and make sure that that government's, you know, from a regulatory perspective is protecting you. I think that's well said. And ultimately, we, the end user, the consumer need to do better with education and understanding how a lot of these things work. I think there's way too many people who saw crypto as the get rich quick opportunity, put in money without understanding what was going on. And a lot of people suffered in 2022 after a really bullish 2020 and 2021. People wanted to get diversified into it, but didn't really do their own research into understanding how to also protect themselves uh, in, in the process. And so I think 2022 was a huge lesson. I think as we look into 23 and into the future, people are going to be a little more weary and a little more careful as they, as they look at this as an investment opportunity. But you know, I, I think you've given us a lot of really good information and, and things to consider. And I always like to wrap up with a couple of fun questions. And the first one I like to ask is, you've now been in the space for several years. Uh, you've known about uh, Bitcoin for over a decade, if you could go and impart wisdom to yourself, one or two pieces of wisdom, when you first got started in the space, what would you tell yourself? Buy a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, nothing different. You know, I'm, I'm a technologist at heart. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I found it when I did. So that way, you know, I, I could really truly, you know, wrap my head around the technology and understand it. Um, you know, I guess if I had to pick something, you know, definitely maybe spend a little bit more time paying attention to Ethereum when it launched. Um, you know, at the time, I don't think I, you know, really could wrap my head around the potential impact, uh, you know, to digital assets from, you know, from EVM and from smart contracts, you know, that is obviously such a differentiator between the two. So I think that would be my only thing is, you know, when, when Ethereum came out to, you know, really dive headfirst into that project. And for the, the new 
Web3 company that's about to hit the market. They've you know started to build, they're about to raise seed funding or they just raised seed funding. What if, what would you tell them as far as things they seriously need to be considering? And at least if they haven't done it yet, they need to have it in their mind to get it checked or et cetera. Sure. Um, you know, this security, no, no matter what your project is, security is going to be important. So whether it's ultimately going to you know, result in a loss of funds, which is really where most people wrap their head around when they think about security. The other piece of it is just also reputational risk. You know, if there's a failure in your project or even if there's a hack and there's minimal funds stolen, you're going to lose trust in the ecosystem. So, you know, my advice would be take security seriously and devote a decent portion of your budget to hiring security staff. And not just the CISO. Um, you know, that's that's the other issue I think, I, or the other concern I see a lot of projects making is they think just you know that one hire is going to be the silver bullet. Um, and just like with any you know discipline, there are people that are experts in different areas of cybersecurity. So there's not one unicorn that knows every single thing about cybersecurity, which is why there's a whole department generally. You know, and the role of the CISO should be more strategic, not hands on keyboard. So you know, we see a lot of smaller projects that want that unicorn of the strategic CISO versus the hands-on CISO versus the security engineer CISO. So I think it's really just understand that you're going to need probably at least three to four people to begin with. And, you know, ideally upwards of 10 to 15 at a certain point and to really, you know, build out security foundationally and not as an afterthought. I think that's a really good reminder. Um, I know that a lot of people I speak with prioritize and say how important uh, security is, but I don't know that they are thinking about it in that scaled form, especially um, as they scale out and as they potentially get bigger, because there's nothing that can be worse than you put all this work in, you're starting to get to the height of everything. And because of one hacker coming in and taking all your funds, you lose your reputation, you lose all your momentum, everything else. So something to keep in mind, everybody. But David, thank you for all the information. Um, What is a final thought that you want to leave with everyone here today? Educate yourself, you know, understand how the technology works and not just be a, you know, a passive user of it. Um, you know, the, the, the big thing, you know, that I would just tell everybody is, you know, token approvals. You know, that's the one thing that I keep shouting from the rooftops is, you know, people think that their funds are safe because they're sitting on a ledger. Um, you know, when you're interacting with a DAP, like, you know, any one of those, the swaps, you're authorizing them to, you know, to have access to the tokens that are sitting in your wallet. And I don't think people fully realize that. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the malware and the, you know, the, the, the crypto hacking and hijacking, you know, taking over people's funds. Um, so, you know, I would just advise people to really understand what you're doing when you're approving transactions or giving authorization. Um, and just, I would tell everybody, you know, go to EtherScan and look at token approval and, you know, just make sure that you haven't granted access to your wallet to, you know, to different smart contracts that, you know, you're not aware of. Great final thought. Thank you so much for that and for for all the great reminders of all things security and, and all the ways that we can be educating ourselves to, to be more prepared for where Web3 is headed. Uh, David, where are ways that people can learn more about Halburn and, and all the things that you have going on? Yeah, sure. You can follow us on all our socials. On uh, We're on Twitter. We have YouTube where we do AMAs. Um, and then we also um, do Twitter spaces where we bring on different guests each week. Um, and you obviously could always check out Halborn.com as well. Perfect. Well, again, David, thank you for all of the information. Uh, Definitely enjoyed this conversation. And for everyone listening, as always, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes.
Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Pirate M, who said, This podcast is great. I didn't know that much about cryptocurrency before I started listening, but now I feel great. The topics covered and guests are all fantastic. Additionally, the information is easy to understand, even if you aren't that well-versed because of how entertaining the whole show is. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early-stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com.